some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Fantastic week. Uh, 
met really uh, awesome individuals, some novices, some really new to uh, the, the Bigfoot world and research and, and um, some of the experiences. Others are more veteran, and they still took stuff mm-hmm. away and taught us some stuff. So, uh, yeah, Mystery Up There Gunner really did. Uh, and so really good really good stuff. I, I invited my buddy Wes Germer uh, from Sasquatch Chronicles up there, and I know um, – he had a fantastic time. He just, uh, yeah, he really clicked with everybody. Everybody just really uh, enjoyed his presence. And uh, like I said, he uh, he got to see what we were about, and that's kind of why I invited him up there. And uh, so, yeah, overall, uh, fantastic and wonderful uh, weekend out. Well, the, uh, this was one of the Olympic Project's public expeditions that are, that, uh, are available, you know, um, throughout the year on occasion, uh, Derek schedules uh, a public expedition, and folks that aren't part of the OP can kind of come out and, and um, experience what what uh, squatching in the Olympic uh, Peninsula is like. And it it is uh, an awesome time. I've been up there several times now. Um, uh, that's that's how uh, I know how several members of the Tillamook Force Group are now you know are members of the. Olympic project as well. So, um, are there do you are there any more uh, public expeditions scheduled for this year that you're aware of yet, Shane? No, uh, not tentatively, but I would imagine there's going to be. Uh, I would imagine um, as we get closer to June, uh, uh, you know, maybe looking at June, July, or September, there will be at least one more this year, at least. I would imagine. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I would think Derek and us will be getting together soon to talk about this because uh, you know we just got such positive feedback. People really are are hungry and thirsty to um, collaborate with people and just uh, get out there and uh, be prepared. You know, and and you know we think we're doing stuff the right way. And, and there's many other groups and individuals doing stuff uh, as you know we think correctly. And we're very much open for um, feedback and. Uh, we're not all high and mighty, trust me. Uh, no experts in this field. So, but uh, to share uh, knowledge and experiences and ideas, it's fantastic. So, I highly recommend it, uh, getting up with the Olympic Project. Um, even some of the other local groups that uh, you know do your homework, do your research on them, and if they've got something open, you know, uh, get out there and uh, and most of all, just enjoy yourself. And I know everybody that attended this past weekend enjoyed themselves tremendously, including myself. So, yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome area. I mean, there's just it's unlike any other area that I've ever been to. I mean, it's just uh, incredible. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real yeah, quick, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the guests attending uh, um, was a was a male, and he he uh, a young male guy, and he he you know he was just blown away at the vastness of the wilderness. And we went on a couple um, pretty hardy hikes, and uh, he was just absolutely floored. Uh, you know, and yeah, Eric Michael out there on Ford, you know, just so beautiful and vast and uh, perfect habitat. For a Sasquatch, uh, and you know every other known animal, you know. So uh, yeah, get up there and or get in the woods and have some fun. That's what we do. And if people want to find out more about about attending um, future Olympic Project expeditions, you can go to the website, which is OlympicProject.com. Is that correct? OlympicProject.com, and also visit us on Facebook. Just look up Olympic Project, and uh, yeah. And get get us get a hold of us there. Uh, if you guys have any questions, our email addresses in the Olympic Project group, uh, and and or just jump on Facebook and uh, or send myself Shane Corson on uh, Facebook a, a message or Derek Randall's or any of the Olympic Project members. Right on. 
So our guest today is Michael Cook. Um, Michael is the founder of the Kentucky Sasquatch team, and uh, we'd like or uh, excited to talk to Mike about uh, his his encounter that he had back in 2000 and uh, what he's been doing since then. So without further ado, let's bring on Mike. Good afternoon, hey, Michael. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. You know, it's going good. How about yourself? That's great. Uh, it's a beautiful Sunday uh, here in Kentucky. Uh, I'm sitting out on my front porch, and uh, <laughs> it's roughly around 73, 74 degrees. It's very nice. It's been a lot of rain lately, but uh, this is a much-needed sunny day. Awesome. Because you're on Monstrex Radio. The sun is shining on That's you. Right. <laughs> I know, right? I've, I've been so excited about this. I got up like a kid on Christmas morning today, and I was like, oh, my God, I get to be on Monstrex Radio today. It's, it's awesome. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. i talking, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, Michael, for those – I mean, I've, I've seen your encounter and watched your videos about your the encounter that you had and, and – um, it's been well reported, but for the listeners that that aren't familiar with you and your initial encounter, can you go ahead and and uh, and share that with us? Absolutely. So, 16 years ago, I was a uh, I was a kid. Uh, I just got my driver's license, and uh, I got a little freedom. And my parents were always the kind of folks that were like, if if you do good in school, you go every day, uh, you go days you don't want to go, then you deserve a, a skip day every now and then. And in this particular area in southeastern Kentucky, the uh, there's a couple of times a year where, where the fishing is just phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, it's just like everywhere else. You know, I mean, some days you'll go out and, you know, you'll throw all day and not catch a thing. Other days, you can throw a bare hook out and, and pull one in and one after one. And uh, so they they decided to let me skip school one day. And uh, this was in October, by the way. It was fall of the year. It was, it was very nice weather. Uh, normal October in Kentucky is, you know, not really uh, – it's that point – October in Kentucky is that point between summer – and actual, you know, cold weather where, you know, you might get a couple of days of frost, but frost don't really hit here until late November, early December. So beautiful day, and uh, I skipped school, so I went out to the riverbank, and I was at a place called Martin's Fork, which is in Harlan County, Kentucky. And uh, the river runs out of the dam there, and I went to where a particular deep hole of water, uh, an eddy, uh, some people call. Um, I went there because I've always done very good there. And at that time, I always tell people the same thing. At that time, Bigfoot really didn't exist to me. I mean, I was, it was probably the farthest thing away from my mind. Uh, when I was in the mountains, I never worried about running into a Bigfoot or anything like that because I thought people were crazy, to be honest with you guys. And, uh, it boy oh was I wrong. And uh so I'd been fishing probably thirty thirty, forty five minutes or so. And uh I was catching fish. 
I want to I want to touch on that. I I was catching fish by the way, folks, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't a dry run. Um, but uh, I kept on hearing something across the river up the hill from me, and it was a steep hill. It was a really steep embankment. I couldn't I couldn't give you a degree of incline or anything like that. Um, but I kept on hearing something moving around in the leaves. And, you know, like I said, nothing like Bigfoot ever crossed my mind. I thought it was squirrels or a deer. I'll actually, uh, real quick, I saw a meme the other day that said a squirrel bouncing through the leaves sounds just like a 200-pound buck <laughs> to, to a deer yeah. hunter. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this thing, man, it I don't, to this day, I don't know. It didn't intentionally do this. Uh, I'm... 150,000 percent positive it didn't intentionally do this but it took a wrong step it slipped tripped it lost its footing the the ground gave away with it i don't know what happened but in a blink of an eye this this big ball of fur starts coming down the hill at me end over end i mean it's rolling and i swear it sounded just like somebody threw a small car a volkswagen beetle Something like that off the hill. It was just crashing through the through the underbrush, uh, and uh, it came off the hill and went straight into the river. Landed right into the river in front of me, probably fifty feet, give or take. And you know, at first I saw this big ball of hair, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" You know, this is a bear. I know it's a bear. There ain't there ain't no way it's nothing else but a bear. And uh, it it moved around for a second, and stood up. And when it stood up, I realized it wasn't a bear. It was it, uh, this thing was standing straight up and eight foot tall, and uh, it held its arms up out of the water. You know, by this time I'm I'm so freaked out, guys. I couldn't run. I couldn't. I, I couldn't do nothing. I mean, I fight, fight or flight hadn't even. It was in locked mode. I, I started to drop my fishing pole because if it was a bear. Of course, I'm I'm going to run, uh, even though today I know that if I ran from a bear, then that's probably not the smartest thing to do. I mean, um, but you know, I'm a kid, so I, I drop my I start dropping my pole, and I'm looking at this thing, and it holds its arms out of the water, and uh, it walks, kind of wades up, it wipes its eyes out, just like one of us would do. If you fall in the water, the first thing you're going to do is wipe your eyes out and kind of take a breath. And uh, it walks up to the bank, and it takes one step, grabs a hold of a branch, a, a sapling or something there, grabs a hold of that sapling, and just pulls itself up on a five-foot embankment. I mean, it took one step just like you and I would take a two- or three-foot step. And uh, when it got up, it it kind of grunted a couple of times, and uh, it turned and looked at me. As soon as it turned and looked at me, I... That's when flight kicked in. That, uh, that's that's the moment it kicked in. I had enough time to get a really good visual of this thing. And, you know, I always tell people the, the, the story takes longer to tell than the actual encounter took. Actually, I mean, it was 45 seconds to a minute long was a long time if, if it was that. And uh, I ran. I ran straight to my car, which 100, 150, 200 yards away, uh, maybe not even that. 
but I got to my car knowing this thing was behind me. I knew it had crossed the river and was running up behind me. It was going to take me, and I was it was going to eat me, and I was never going to see my family, my friends, nobody ever again. It wasn't behind me. <laughs> it was it was it was long gone. It went up into a holler and uh, above where it fell in at. It already made its way back up into the woods. And I sat there. I was trying to get my keys and my and my ignition. And if nobody's ever been there, you know, a lot of people think think you know, well, this is, you know, why couldn't you why couldn't you drive? Well, I was so scared and and shaken. I, if I would have been able to get my keys to work and my, my mind to work, I would have wrecked. I mean, I was that shaken up. So I, I, I was smoking at the time, which kids, if you're listening, don't, don't do that. I quit a <laughs> long time ago, but I lit up a cigarette and I sat there and I cracked the window. When I cracked the window, that's when I heard these, these screams coming from the holler and I'm already freaked out, you know, and this just freaked me out even worse. It, I was just to pieces. I mean, I was, I was literally melting and falling in, falling into pieces and melting in the floorboard as this thing was up in this holler making this, this sound. And uh, it that went on for a long time. That went on 30 minutes or so, 45. Um, and finally it quit. I calmed down, and I went back down to the riverbank, grabbed my stuff, and world record time, if, if somebody was standing there with, with a uh, camera or whatever, they would have that would have been Guinness Book of World Records guaranteed. I I booked it straight to the riverbank, straight back, and uh, I got the hell out of there, guys. I mean, I really did, and I went home, and I couldn't sleep that night. I I could not, I couldn't bear the thought of closing my eyes because every time I did, every time I closed my eyes. I would see this thing looking back at me. And after time, you know, I, I put pieces of it together, and I got, I, to this day, I can close my eyes and still see this thing standing there looking at me. <laughs> I counted the fingers. I, I, I'm a very, very uh, vigilant person when it comes to, to you know, uh, observing things. I counted its fingers, had five fingers, on on each hand, its its hands were huge. Its hands, if you would have shook its hands, it'd been like shaking a big handful of bananas. I mean, it's it's just huge hands, and uh, its arms. I actually talked to uh, Jeff Briers last weekend. I think it's yeah Briers, uh, uh, creature replica up at uh, Ohio conference. I was, we we're talking about the North American Bigfoot, and I said its arm proportions are wrong. He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "These arms on the one I saw." were actually probably five, six inches below the knees. And uh, if it wanted to and dropped down on all fours and run, it, it probably could have covered a lot more ground if it had done that. But um, this, uh, for a year, though, for a year, I, I couldn't. I, I lost a lot, of, a lot of nights of sleep. And finally, I, I decided one day, you know, to conquer my fears, and everything, I'm I'm going to have to go back to this location and 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 see just how big this thing was. God bless. I hope it don't come back. <laughs> I hope I don't have another sighting. Is that that time is what I thought? I'd give anything to to do it again over. But uh, the uh, I went back 
I walked, stood right where I was standing at when this thing rolled off the hill. And uh, I sucked it up, and I walked out into the water. And I stand 5'10", you know, somewhere around that range. And the water where it fell in at, I mean, it was like, that's a almost exact level at that time of year. I, I walked right out, and it came up to my chin, whereas the water come up on this creature right below its sternum, right below the breast line, or the chest line, I'm sorry, it didn't have any breasts. That's why I call it, call it a hem. I know that for a fact. It didn't have any, any physical, any female uh, physicalities. It, it just didn't. And uh, I looked, and I saw exactly where this thing had, had climbed up on back up onto the riverbank. It ripped the uh, the sapling out and everything, and and the the ground was still disturbed where where it had happened a year prior, and uh, you know I it, unknowingly I was doing my first ever Bigfoot <laughs> sighting investigation that would ultimately lead up to the Kentucky Sasquatch team and all the amazing things that's, that's happened to me since, and. Uh, but yeah, it it was it was a it was an experience that you know I said that I I, I wish I could do it all over again, but there's some days, guys. I <laughs> some days I wish I didn't see it. it right. It's consumed me so bad and took over my life that much that you know some days I, I wish it wouldn't have happened, and and I could have just had a normal normal life and you know went on my merry little way and and. <laughs> Uh, but it happened. It allowed me, you know, the forces of the universe allowed me to, to see this thing and, and to become a true believer. And I tell people all the time, I, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I, I know there's a Bigfoot. I know they are out there. So, so Mike, uh, you, you've said in the past that, um, that it did not compare. It's like, uh, let's see, everything you know about how Bigfoot looks is nothing compared to what Bigfoot actually looks like. What what do you I, mean by I that? I miss I miss I miss said that. Who am I talking to? Gunner? This is Gunner, yeah. All right. Gunner, I I, I miss said that. It it looks similar to what people have saw. It's got the same look, but as far as like comparing it to Patty from mm-hmm. uh, Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson, no, it didn't look anything like Patty. It uh the facial hair, the facial hair come way farther up, up underneath its eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nose, the nose is real flat, and I wish there was a comparison. A uh, gorilla, no, a gorilla has inverted nostrils. Um, it had it had flared nostrils. It had it had a nose just like us. If you punched me right in the face, and and widened it by an inch, two inches. That's how its nose looked, and it came straight out and kind of stuck straight up. Um, I didn't see its teeth. Um, as far as its, its overall structure, I compare it to a really, really tall NBA basketball player. Very, very tall Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal's already tall. <laughs> and, you know, a 400, give or take, I didn't have a scale. I didn't have a measuring tape. I didn't say, "Hey, stop!" You know, I'm going to measure and see how tall you are. <laughs> right. which is up on a scale, and I, and people criticize me over that. Like, oh well, you know, this one, this guy says that these things, uh, eight foot creature, would weigh 700 pounds. No, I'm pretty good 
judge of weight. Uh, this thing probably went a good 400 pounds. It was built. It was it was muscular, but it wasn't like an overpowered weightlifter. It it was broad across the shoulders, three and a half, four foot across the shoulders, but like a really tall NBA player. And it wasn't like one. You hear people, and I'm not saying they're 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 liars or anything like that. There's several varieties of these things. Uh, the patty. If you stood her straight out, and I mean, she'd probably be one uniform shape straight down to from the shoulder or from the armpit straight down to the foot with very little variation in curves and stuff like this. But this thing was, like I said, built like an NBA basketball player. Upper body, uh, lower body, yeah, I mean, it had some it had some legs on it, but it wasn't like overpowering. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's. Um, I think Shaq, actually, I looked it up, and Shaq weighed about 325 pounds. So, and he's 7'1", um, and he actually outweighs uh, Yao Ming. I remember seeing a picture of those two next to each other, and Yao Ming actually dwarfs Shaq because uh, he's like 7'4", 7'5". I mean, it's crazy. So, but you're, I mean, a lot of times people talk about how um, muscular uh, a Bigfoot looks like, and you're saying yours didn't look like a body. I heard the you know the term look like a bodybuilder, and I would imagine that the thing is is that they they there's variance in the within the species just like there is within humans. Um, but yours your the creature that you saw was not overtly uh, muscular. No, I mean you know. <laughs> As a uh, as a joke, you know, he he didn't work out every day. He might have went to the gym, you <laughs> right. know, three times a three times a week and kept his kept his cardio and and all that. Right. Up. But no, I mean, he didn't. He wasn't lifting lifting weights every day and and pumping iron. I mean, you know, I think it has a lot to do with testosterone also, and that's with any animal. Uh, so you know, uh. Let alone, this thing might have not had had the testosterone the bigger ones do. Yeah, let alone, let alone, you don't know what what kind of health this thing was in. You know, we know so little about Sasquatch. You, you just don't know. But it's interesting about the weight thing, uh, the guesstimation of Sasquatch weight, especially in, in sightings. You know, I was talking to my, my good friend and fellow P member, James Milling, this weekend, and that question came up with a group of people, and, you know, James is a lifelong hunter, and when I, he said, you know, most people overestimate the size of things. You know, it's like you go fishing, and they think they cut, you know, they'll say, oh, it was 20 pounds, when in fact it was 10. You know, and they're not necessarily lying. It's just their guesstimation or what they perceive. And, well, sometimes they're lying, of course, especially when it comes to fishing. Well, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the I, I believe people really overestimate stuff, and I agree with you, Michael. You know, uh, like with your, with your sighting, 400 pounds sounds very reasonable to me. Well, you know, it's just like you said, Shane. I mean, it's like uh, uh, I've spoken at the Montana Bigfoot Conference this past fall, and I do a Bigfooting one on one hundred and one uh, presentation at these things, and uh, uh, with my team, and I, I'm I'm taking on new members as, as we speak. Uh, it's what I've been doing all day, actually, is going through new member apps and all this. But uh, I do a thing where it's like. Uh, I haven't really come up with a name of it yet, but it's it's size, scared size, frightened size compared uh, to actual size. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so you take a person out in the woods uh, that's that's never seen one of these things, and they they run up and they run up on it, or they it runs up on them, whatever, and they say it's uh, 13, 12, 13 foot tall. I always shrink that down just a hair. Right, thirteen foot creature, maybe eleven foot, maybe ten foot, because these people are freaked out. Now, the reason why I know this thing was eight foot tall, give or take, I mean, like I said, no measuring tape was because I went out in the river and, and I I I done the full on investigation. I measured the water up to my chin, so you figure that's five foot. There was another two and a half, three foot sticking out of the water, and uh, <laughs> I mean. That that right there is is how I got my size out of mine. But yeah. it's like me. I'm terrified, and I hate to admit this on, on an international radio show, but I don't, I don't care. But yeah. uh, I'm terrified of spiders. Anybody. Yeah, you don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody, people. Uh, I'm terrified of spiders. Like, and a little, little garden spider the size of a pencil eraser looks like it's the size of a softball to me. I mean, you know, I'm running around trying to get my shotgun. I'm gonna shoot this thing, and, and <laughs> my girlfriend comes out and swaps it with a with fly swat and says, "There you go. Now, now go back <laughs> to doing what you're doing, puss." But uh, the uh, but the, the that's the thing, you know. People, things grow as you get more excited. It's so, a little bit like a fishing can, story, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, little bit like yeah, you know, I a, but. But I also think on the other end, I think sometimes people underestimate faith because I think they face the weight, what they would think a human equivalent would would be. And, I, you know, based on the fact that muscle weighs more than fat and, and that these things are probably um, pretty athletic since they don't sit around and watch, you know, reality TV shows. Right. They're, they're running through the woods chasing their food every day, I have a feeling that they're pretty lean and that they tend to be heavier. Um, sometimes I think the, the weight estimations seem a little low for something as large as what people are describing. <clears throat> Yours sounds like it was didn't have the muscle mass that a lot of uh, encounters, you know, are re- that are reported in a lot of encounters, but so 400 pounds well, of just like me too for i mean and the thing is it's a guess everybody's guessing you know and and like you said um when you first talk to somebody who just had an encounter um they're they're amped up you know they're uh, it's, they just saw a monster basically they you know um and one of the things i always like to ask our guests is what was your context you know what had you heard of bigfoot before uh, did you have any idea that that uh, you could possibly ever have an encounter in the area that you're in? I mean, this or did just just jump off of like you had no context before, and here's this thing you well, thought was a bear that stands up and is obviously not a bear. And that's a thing too, you know. And a lot of people, a lot of people will know exactly, and you all will know exactly what I'm talking about. The more your name gets out there. And uh, and all that that you're you're into these things you're you're a researcher you're serious about it you're going to get more and more people trying to uh, trying to get attention also and uh, and and I tell people all the time that that I proved that this wasn't what they think it was or 
you know, that this was a bear or whatever, a lot of people are like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, it was Bigfoot. You know, if they're really adamant about it within the first two hours of seeing it, I mean, I, I kind of get leery about it because, and this is the reason because, I know what, what it took me to to accept. And I know what kind of trials and tribulations I went through to accept that I'd saw one of these things, that I'd encountered one of these things. And, uh, you know, it freaked me out enough where I wanted to see it again, uh, as crazy as that sounds. But uh, with, um, I ask people all the time, when they when they send a report to me, I ask them, I'm like, so, you know, do you watch Finding Bigfoot? Do you do you watch all these shows? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 you know. Well, does this thing, this thing look anything like what the dramatizations of this show, you know? And thank God for that show, guys, because, you know, it, it did bring the Bigfoot in, in the mainstream more in the last few years. And, uh, but, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you've got to ask these people, you know, have you heard any stories? The thing about it is, is around here in Kentucky, yeah, you can you can throw a rock and I mean seriously, throw a rock and hit somebody, and hit guaranteed. A uh, no, you can throw a rock <laughs> and hit somebody. You can throw right. a rock and hit somebody in a crowd, and guaranteed, if they haven't had a personal encounter with one, uh, they know somebody who has, or they've heard stories about them all their lives. And uh, we've been. Yeah, I I run into that too. I mean, as that, um, you know, kind of like the seven degrees from Kevin Bacon game. It's like seven degrees from Bigfoot, and I find it. um, It's interesting is how many people that you run into that if they haven't had a personal encounter, they know somebody, or uh, I mean, they know somebody that's had a personal encounter. It it it's. once you and it's interesting because once you get people talking and they know that they're not going to be ridiculed, um, they they uh, open up pretty easily. You know, they, people want to be able to talk to about it. People that have an encounter, like when you had your encounter, who did you tell? Who was the first person that you tell, or did you keep it to yourself for some time? I kept it to myself for over a year, to be honest with you. I, I didn't want mm-hmm. people. I didn't want. I didn't want the ridicule. I didn't want being made fun of i honestly didn't but after it happened i contacted uh well i told a buddy of mine actually that lives up that way where it happened at and he said oh yeah he said uh we've had dealings with them you know all of our lives my grandpa and my dad and this and that and told me all these things about this this creature and not this creature but these creatures that lived in that area and uh you know, it until I formed the Kentucky Sasquatch team, I tagged around mm-hmm. with groups, and I told several people after over a, over a year, I told several people that were in the Bigfooting world. Um, I would get on the internet and I'd look up, you know, uh, Bigfoot teams and stuff like this, and find contact numbers and tell them my story. And uh, I was surprised, and a lot of people, a lot of them were like, you know. What well, do you want to go on a, a expedition with us? Do you do you want to, you know, if you got any reports, will you send them our way? And now that's the way I am. I, I'm, people are calling me and telling me, and I'm like, well, you know, they're telling me reports they're getting. 
kind of like satellite people that, you know, are just not part of the team but are uh, contributing members, uh, honorary members of the team that are just sending me, sending me reports and stuff, they're investigating them. So I started investigating them. I started finding out that everything had a pattern in that particular area. And uh, I finally broke down one day, and I told my dad, and I, I don't know what kind of weight that was lifted off my shoulders, uh, my mom is is a real reserved person, so I wouldn't wouldn't have told her at that time. But I told my dad. My dad sat there, and he's a, he's a real understanding guy, and uh, I, I I take a lot from him. Uh, I'm I'm a lot like him, and uh, he uh, he he sat there and nodded his head. And he said, "Well, uh, I, I think they're out there, and I'll tell you why." And he and he told me a story. He told me told me about this guy he worked with in, in the mines in the coal mines and uh he uh when he was a kid they were out coon hunting and uh, after a series of events happened they they encountered this what they coined as a little hairy man and uh which right now now today i, I view that as a as a, a juvenile bigfoot three or four foot tall it was a juvenile and uh, when they went, they actually went out and tried to look for this thing that same night, and a bad series of events happened, and and a, and a kid lost his life. Uh, they they were somebody rustled the bushes trying to scare them, and somebody shot and and killed one of the one of the members of their their hunting team, and um, they ended up having to carry him out of the mountains. And I talked to this guy personally myself. And God bless him, you know, he's an old man now, but he uh, he still tells the same thing my dad told me. And uh, yeah. dad heard it. Dad heard it from him and two other guys that were there with him when this happened. And that's the thing that I argue with people all the time. I had the same argument with my brother. My brother is a skeptic, and we're like daylight and dark when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's my best friend, and I share stuff with him, and... He said, well, you know, people are mistaken identity and this and that. So it's impossible for that many thousands, thousands and thousands of people over hundreds of years to make up the same exact lie over and over and over and over again. I mean, well, God, we can go off is, air. Yeah, I mean, that's and we, you're right, because when I when I get in discussions about people, I say, well, how, how do you know they're real? Well, if one piece of evidence isn't faked, or or uh, misidentified, then they're real. I mean, there's there's thousands of footprints. There's thousands of eyewitness encounters. There's you know, it's in uh, Native Americans talk about them. They're in in totem poles um, with all other animals that are are not we know are real animals. There's there's a lot. I mean, there's an overwhelming amount of of evidence. There's DNA evidence. You know that that comes back as uh, an unknown primate. So, I mean, there's there's a preponderance of evidence. Most people that just um, dismiss it out of hand, basically, haven't really looked into it, and they don't like the idea that, you know, I've run and talked to guys that are hunters or, or work in the woods as, as loggers and stuff, and they like, you know, I've been in my, the woods my whole life, and, I, and I've never seen anything. And I like, but... And they don't want to. They don't like the idea that that there's uh, 
uh, an apex predator out there that that they have not had, you know, they don't, they're not aware of. So yeah, it's well, it's it's a cool. It's it's a thing of like, it's a thing of like, you know, you you talking about people that have been out in the woods their entire life. I I just like last few days I got a report um, back last week before the Ohio conference coming out of the Smoky Mountains of two hikers that, uh, you know, they've been hiking 15, 20 years, never in their lives. I mean, they've heard of Bigfoot. Who hasn't now? You know, and that's the thing. Who hasn't heard of Bigfoot now? Who believes? That's 3.1% of the entire nation. But these guys, they, they're they hikers. They, they hike for days at a time. And, uh, they come down this hill in the Smoky Mountains, this mountain, they were heading to a camp. And uh, they said all day long that they heard tree snaps and stuff going around them. But they also contributed that to wind. Uh, the wind was horrible down there in the last couple of weeks, but they they heard it, and then a couple of rocks came through the air at them. And when they turned around, there's this, there's this dude standing up there, you know, and... Uh, they were they were adamant. It, well, it was. It, I asked them if they saw. Well, I, I, my lingo, my lingo gets me in trouble a lot. I say stuff, and I, I don't mean actual guy, dude, man. But there's this. I got the. There's this. I got the impression there's this creature. Right. There's this creature, eleven foot tall, standing above them, looking at them, and he's. They said that it was just heavy breathing, looking at them like you know you need to get the hell out of here. And that's what they done. And they ran, and they ran, and they ran, and they ran. And these guys have been hiking for two or three days. They were wore out anyway. When they called me, they got in the phone service, and they said they looked up all these Bigfoot groups and stuff and couldn't find a phone number. Finally, come across my my team and found a phone number. And I get this phone call, and I'm like, you know, this guy's freaked out. I could tell him, like, he's like, is this Michael Cook? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Is everything okay? Who is it? And uh, and they they I can't say their names right now, but they introduced themselves and told me what happened, and I could tell the conviction. I could hear the conviction in their voice that they had saw one of these creatures. And uh, it's just why would? And they said, I said, well, you know, are you all still in location? They're like, hell no, we're on our way to a hotel. <laughs> we're getting, we're not going back in those woods. I'm like, why not? They acted like I was crazy. But it's so weird because I was down there just weeks weeks ago. I took my family, my my son and I and my parents went down and uh I we went over into Cherokee, North Carolina and I sat around with some, some pretty cool people. They were the Cherokee Nation elders and uh, historians and I and I've been writing a book and, and all this stuff and um I needed a. Uh, I got a section in that book about the Cherokee Nation and their their folklore and their history with Bigfoot, and they enlightened me on a lot of things that I'd never thought about. And you know, I can't really really discuss everything that they said because of the book and everything and that I'm writing. I mean, you know, I don't want to give all my information out, but uh, they've had history with these things before the white man ever thought about coming over from Europe. And uh 
and especially in the Smoky Mountains. I mean, it, it and it will blow your mind when you read the book. And you, you two, you guys, I'll I'll get you addresses uh, in a couple yeah. of days, but and I'll send you the book. But when it when it's uh, finished being published, but it will blow your mind. And I didn't change anything in it mm-hmm. on uh, what they told me. Uh, some of their languages, of course, but we're yeah. grown men. We're adults, you know. Uh, but they uh, they enlighten me on a lot of things that I really hadn't thought about. And these they look at these things as the protectors, the spirits, the, the protectors of the forest. And and when these things die, they become the spirits of the wild, mm-hmm. and they protect. You know the people that that helped them. Uh, one particular uh, elder told me, you know, his father used to uh, grow a garden, and uh, they would always fill up two or three baskets of uh, vegetables and set at the corner of the garden for these creatures. And the, and he, I said, well, have you seen these things? He goes, oh yeah, I've seen them. I've I've seen them with my own two eyes. I've seen them walk out of the forest, out of the woodline, grab these baskets, and walk back in. And return the empty baskets with with you know uh, uh, ferns and uh, and wild root and stuff like this, you know, as, as kind of a trade deal. And uh, but there is amazing what you find out when you talk to people like this. Absolutely, uh, I agree with you big time. And, and uh, you know, like you said, uh, the uh, natives here, the Native Americans, been dealing with uh, Sasquatch. A lot longer than we have, and, uh, you know, living in their environment. That's a lot of things we forget. You know, as researchers, who, I mean, quite honestly, none of us are really, truly living in the woods uh, day in and day out. A lot of us spend a huge amount of time in the woods. I know, you know, such as yourself, Michael, um, but it's, you know, we have jobs and places to go. We're we're not in, you know, around Sasquatch 24-7. We're just not. Uh, So, Listening to uh, elders and, and historians of the Native American culture and those involved is fascinating. I can't wait to read your book. That, it sounds uh, sounds really killer. And I have a, I have another one coming out too, Shane. I've been plugging it also, even though it's not even finished being written yet. But it it's strictly the Cherokee Nation and and Bigfoot, their history with it, and it's a fictional story uh, based on. True events. I mean, it, did it all happen? No. I mean, I wrote it for strictly a story. Right. Uh, I'm writing it for strictly a story for entertainment purposes only. But it's got a lot of factual information in it that that I know uh, to be fact. That, that's from my own knowledge and from these people that I've talked to in the Cherokee Nation. And uh, and really and truly, it's about a Cherokee Bigfoot researcher that didn't even know, you know, that. He didn't even know that he was a Bigfoot researcher. He he was uh he wanted to find out what these things were. And uh his his elders and his chief wouldn't tell him what these things were, uh, you know, fully. So he wanted to go out and find out himself and and he has contact with these creatures and it's I'm I'm so pleased with how it's coming along. Um but I'm using a lot of Cherokee history and, and and things that we know about Bigfoot and what they have told me. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait for you guys to read it. And my book is, is first-person point-of-view reports. 
This is just yeah. how it, I mean, you know, I saw this, I saw that. Uh, yeah. None of none of John X saw a six and a half foot, three hundred pound creature going through the yeah. garbage. Something like that. Right. It ain't like that, that. It's that's refreshing. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, it, it's just how they yeah. told me. Because yeah. I sit down yeah. with people and, and interview them. If they don't want to be on video, I always put my audio recorder out there and I put it in their own words. Mm-hmm. And I make yeah. my report out of it, and I make a make a a separate report in their own words, and that's how I put my book together. And, you know, now there's 355 reports since – documented reports since 2011. There's 200 or more – 200 give or take, I'll say that, reports before 2011 when I was a solo investigator that, you know, I wouldn't really – I was serious about it, but I also kind of done it as a part-time, part-time job, a part-time, part-time hobby. And I, I kick myself in the tail every day because some of them I didn't write down. I just listened to them, and I was so fascinated at people telling me about this and didn't write them down. And I look back on that, and I'm like, man, I could have had, you know, 600, 700 reports by now if I would have wrote, written every one of those down. But, <laughs> okay. you know, you're young and you're stupid at, at, at one. Everybody is. And... um you know, you you don't really know what the future is going to hold, so you don't. Now, I write down every little detail. When somebody gives me a report, I write it down, and I write down every little detail to uh, <laughs> how much dew was on the grass that morning. I mean, right. I get detailed with them anymore. Yeah, well, you know, uh, two things, and one, kudos to you uh, for at least admitting that uh, you know, and I'm, and I'll admit to the same dang thing. You know, when I got into this, uh, you make mistakes, you learn from your mistakes. And you move on. You realize, oh, hey, yeah, I should have probably uh, wrote that down or recorded that or uh, whatever. Uh, but that's 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 uh, true humility, and, and that that's a good researcher right there. That's someone that's willing to make you know say, hey, I'm not perfect, but guess what? I'm trying to do the best I can. So thanks for that. Second of all, your book coming out. These firsthand uh, reports. Is it from uh, a specific area or all from around the country, or how how does that work? Well, the. No, most of it is from Kentucky. Ninety uh, percent of it is from Kentucky. Uh, the Appalachian Mountain Range, uh, special section dedicated to the uh, Cherokee Nation. Um, I branched out over the last few years, and I, I couldn't stay strictly in Kentucky because I was getting many reports from Southern Ohio, Southern Indiana. You know the states that's bordering Kentucky, and I've even got a couple reports from out your all's way in Washington and Oregon and, and stuff like that that's just mm-hmm. came to me um, and stuff. And they uh, there's there's a section dedicated for, you know, the nationwide reports that I've done. But like I said, 90% of it is, is strictly in Kentucky, surrounding states. And uh, the other 10% is out west and Cherokee Nation and, and this and that. So Excellent. But it's uh, it, it's amazing. I, I've looked at I've looked at it over it looked it over and you know it's in the editing stages right now. I fell behind because of funding and everything like that. You guys know all about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, <laughs> the uh, uh, I, I fell behind with it and I'm, I finally got it to where it's being edited and going into the publishing stages in the next coming weeks. And uh, the publishers have told me that with by August it will be on available to purchase. So you know, as soon as it's as soon as it's out, it's it's coming to you guys, 
and uh, and letting you all. I'd love to be a, a guest again on it when it comes I'll, out on here. I was again just going to, yeah, yeah. I would love to have you back on. I would love to read the book and then have you back on and discuss it. Uh, that would be great, and, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, down the road here for sure. Looking forward to it, uh, Michael. Now, Michael, I really want to get into you had this encounter, and um, you know now your 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 mind's racing around. You, you start getting into it, the research part aspect of it. How did you come up with the Kentucky research team? How did that form? Who's involved? And, you know, uh, and I'd oh love to talk God. a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, I'm so embarrassed at this. I'm one, and I saw somebody that, that tried or uh, that sent me a request to join a group the other day, and I swear to you all, it was probably ten words long, and that was my that was the funniest thing I've ever done because uh, whenever I I created the Kentucky Sasquatch team, for one, it wasn't the Kentucky Sasquatch team. It was the – are you ready for this? Cause it's I'm ready. It's a mouthful. It would never go on a the back of a window or a T-shirt. It <laughs> said the Southeastern Kentucky Bigfoot and Sasquatch Research Organization. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Yes, you know, this is SKB FO letter seven. Hey, <laughs> it's got a ring to it. It's just, it's a long ring. Oh man, it's a long ring. And I was like, I shortened it down, and I said, you know, at the time, I I, I formed the team, and I added four members. Uh, these these four members were phenomenal. However, these four members could not give me what I – not me. Let let me retract that statement, okay? I, I, not me. They could not give the research, the people, uh, the witnesses the time to uh, put into this due to work or family reasons or something like that. I would get a sighting, and I would call up. So and so, I'm I'm not at liberty to say names now, but I would call up Bob, and I would say, "Hey Bob, I'm uh, I'm on my way to get you. We're going to investigate a sighting." He'd be like, "Well, I can't right now. I just uh, uh, we just sat down to dinner, man. Can we do it tomorrow?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, "No, we can't do it tomorrow. This thing happened, you know." Three hours ago, I'm, I'm on my way to get you. I've just became available myself. I'm on my way to get you. Well, I can't right now, you know. And it, it got into stuff like that and expeditions yeah. and stuff. We're going out on expedition in two weeks. Well, you know, I can't get off work. Well, I told you about this six months ago. We're going on expedition. Well, yeah, but I use my vacation days or something like that. And, you know, it just got into that. And I, I finally had a meeting with them. I'm like, guys, and girl, do you uh, – are you serious about this, or do you want to be a part of this? And everyone I'm telling me the same thing. Well, we would if we didn't, you know, work full-time. I'm like, hey, I work full-time too. <laughs> but I also put time into this. I got a, I, I've got a little boy. I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a daddy. Before Bigfoot, before anything else, I'm a daddy. And, of course, right. if I had, a, if I had a, a face-to-face visual sighting come in and my son needed me, I wouldn't be able to go. Because I'm a daddy first, yeah. and uh, I, I, that's the first thing I am. I'm a daddy first. But I also 
we'll get there. I mean, I want to be there and do these sightings. So going back, I mean, I lost four members. It was just me for like a year and a half. And I felt awful about calling myself a team and it just being myself. And uh, I added a guy a couple years ago. And uh, then it was just him and I. And uh, and he wasn't even in Kentucky. He was in Montana. And he would take in, you know, uh, he would monitor the email and all this stuff and, and you know, uh, relay to me and stuff like this, anything he got coming out of Kentucky. And uh, after, well, last year, I had a couple other people over the last few years, but last year I revamped the team. And uh, I've got a great audio uh, video guy, uh, Todd Gilvin. He uh, he's a master at the electronics and stuff. Uh, my lead researcher, Mike Isaacs. He uh, he's been researching Bigfoot and and cryptids most of his life. Um, just today, I've added. We I can announce right now that uh, a guy from my hometown where I have my sighting at, uh, Thomas Mitchell, will be a researcher for me now. Okay, uh, he's great. a new member as of today. Um, then you have Brian Sullivan of the Montana Bigfoot Project who is a contributing researcher. And I, I filter uh, – I'm strictly Bigfoot and Sasquatch. So I filter dogmen um, – Wendigo, uh, Mothman, stuff like that, I filter back to uh, Brian. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he, he's, a, he's a whiz at that stuff. And, uh, and then you've got me. I'm, I'm the lead investigator, researcher, and, and organizer of the team. So, and yeah. my girlfriend, she's, she's more or less my. Uh, um, she takes care of a lot of the PR stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, you know, touch on your first point about you know how you originally started with four people, and 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 they couldn't, you know, they were interested, and you know, life gets in the way, they couldn't commit. I mean, that truly to me is uh, now it's gotten better, and some of these groups have gotten um, really uh, good members, but it's unfortunate because I think uh, that's why we've not truly, truly progressed with uh, the research of Sasquatch personally, that's my opinion, is that, it, it, you know, it's half half done. And the reason being is because people have lives and jobs, no one's getting really paid to do this, so it's it's uh, tedious, uh, time-consuming, and we have, you know, you're a father first. Well, guess what? I'm a, I'm a father first. I'm a family guy. Exactly. First. And, but this, you know, the Sasquatch phenomenon, I mean, I know Sasquatch to be real, too. They're out there. What they are exactly, I'm not sure. I have my opinions, but... I'm, you know, I am um, very, very on board. You know, I'm, I'm out there all the time, very obsessed in a, in a, in a manner of, uh, with the research of it. But it's a passion, hobby, and everything else. But, you know, that's half the reason I think we've truly not gotten further along. Now, having said that, mm-hmm. we are getting there, in my opinion, with with fantastic groups uh, like your group, Michael, and and other groups out there. Uh, so we are getting there. It's a slow, tedious process, and I, I think you agree. We don't jump to conclusions. We are very uh, methodical in our research. And also, who we bring aboard to, to join this endeavor. I mean, uh, you've handpicked these people. 
and they bring something to the table. Now, speaking just strictly for you know on on the topic of your group, um, your research group, what are you guys' uh, methods and what are your goals? What do you guys do? What makes up this research team, and and what are your goals and methods? Well, Shane, I mean it's just. Uh... At first, you know as well as I do, whenever you start something like this, you you start with maybe, a, if you can afford a handheld camera, great. If not, then you're starting out with an iPhone and uh, maybe, a, maybe a recorder of some kind. You know, and that's how it started out. And, you know, we went from iPhones or, yeah, iPhones and, and voice recorders to handheld video to, uh, to night vision we, you know, thermal and stuff like this. And now we're talking about the deployment of a drone to do, and, and there's so many that's doing that, but, you know, it's so exciting, that technology. And that's going to be, that's Bigfoot's biggest enemy right there is technology now mm-hmm. because Patterson and Gimlin had a 33-millimeter camera. Guess what? <laughs> yeah. We've a thousand, no, a hundred thousand times better in technology than those guys were. Imagine if they, and I was talking about this just at the Ohio Bigfoot conference over the weekend. Imagine if Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson had something like we've got now, an iPhone, an Android, something of that magnitude when they saw Patty. Mm -hmm. I mean, there would be no, no uh, dispute over it. There would be no argument. Right. Let me. Let me. I, I hate to jump in and cut you off here, but let me. Let me jump in here because this came up the other day as a question to me, and I love your opinion on this. Uh, uh, some say that be, that because of technology, we have not progressed. You know, rather than you know, with, with, with what uh, Bob and them were working with, you know, Roger were working with, they have lesser technology. They're riding horses. They have you know this camera. Some some argue that less amount of technology will get you better results. Where others will say, you know, and, and I'm in I'm in the boat quite honestly that it's a it's a it's a, you know a needle in a haystack, you know. And but technology is a good thing. But I'm I'm curious as to your opinion, uh, is technology you think that's a good thing, or should we retract and go with less technology? Well, it depends on. I mean, you're asking me. I think it's a good thing, but yeah. When you when you get people, uh, you know, some people feel that these things are affected by uh, EMF, uh, electromagnetic forces, and stuff like this from cell phones and and this and that. I mean, if you uh, if you put that in play, then technology is is worse because uh, they're going to detect you a long time before they're you're going to detect them. And I'll be honest with you, I I don't buy into a lot of the supernatural or yeah. uh, phenomenon that, that, and I've stated that numerous times uh, when it comes to this, uh, and I'll stand my ground on it. But I have an open mind about certain things. And, you know, um, I've got an article on my desk actually right now that talks about uh, why we haven't, uh, why we don't get good game cam pictures of them and I haven't really read it yet. I skimmed over it, but it talks about the the infrareds and all this, and they detect them long before you know the the camera goes off. And mm-hmm. 
But as far as interference and stuff like that goes, you know, uh, it's really hard to say. Like you said, I mean, it, nobody, there's no expertise in this, and nobody will know until everybody knows. And uh, <laughs> but as far as technology goes, I'm in a battle right now. Well, not a battle. I, I, I let me let me restate that. Yeah, I'm in a problem right now. I had a bunch of 16 by 20 photos come to me in the last few days that uh, that show something, but however, they are taken with a really small, um, like a two megapixel camera off of a flip phone, and I told the guy, he's a good guy, he's a really good friend of mine, he, he comes from Indiana, and I told him, I said, man, if you would have had an iPhone or something like this, this would be gold right here, because you can make out what looks to be uh, a juvenile Bigfoot. And uh, and I, I would love to show you guys, but I, I'm, again, yeah, I'm not at liberty. It's not my personal property. He sent them to me to, to analyze and, and get them to somebody else. But, yeah, uh, one of – actually, all, all three of our mutual friends. But uh, we uh, – and, and that's the thing. I mean, the – the camera qualities on these phones. I mean, I have an I have an iPhone, and they're phenomenal. There's yep. there's a thing called iPhone photography now. I mean, people are are selling pictures and photos, but they take with an iPhone that's just phenomenal. Looks like they've taken it with a, a six seven thousand uh, dollar camera. Right. You brought you but, brought up a, you brought an interesting point up, uh, Michael. Um, you know, and I, I've told people this before, you know, you get this argument, oh, why haven't we got, you know, like more trail cam pictures or definitive or at least a really clear picture of a Sasquatch on the trail camera? And my argument is that it really is a needle in a haystack. You know, it's a needle in a haystack for one. And two, how many people the can afford moving. a moving. Yes, the needle's <laughs> moving. But how many people can afford, right. can afford a really nice, uh, you know, when iPhone came out, People were like, "Ooh, that's expensive." Not many, not many people could afford the iPhone. You know, it was like, "Ooh, that's really nice and takes clear pictures and blah blah blah." I can't afford it, so they stuck with their their you know their kind of lesser uh, phones with uh, crappy pictures. But same thing with trail cameras. Not many people can afford a five hundred dollar uh, trail camera or a six hundred dollar trail camera um, with oh. great trigger speeds and, and and invisible flash and blah blah blah. We're in the same boat, we're, but this is where technology, I think, is fantastic. Is it, the prices are as things progress, prices are coming down. The uh-huh. the uh, cost for more expensive trail cameras and better quality trail cameras are coming down, and eventually we'll have a market where your average consumer, those out in the woods, will be able to afford a pretty dang decent camera, and and perhaps could get better pictures and clarity, faster trigger speeds, and all that. Right now, there's you know people think there's all these trail cameras out there, and there is. It really is like Gunner said. Uh, well, it's a needle in a haystack, but it's a moving needle. And can they see uh, some of this infrared and stuff? Who knows? Probably. I don't know. But we're getting better and we're better. Technology of, is a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and we're talking about a creature that is is elusive, and and we don't know its level of intelligence. So yeah. you know, I, I, does it look at a camera? I, I can tell you personally from what we've experienced in the film of Forest research group is that we've had them what we think is is a bigfoot approach a recorder that has a uh, led light on it <clears throat> but we we've, we've gotten no pictures from the um the 
shelf hammers that we have in there. But, of course, it depends on where you place them. It, I mean, how, you, you got to think in terms of how, in percentages, how much of the entire wooded area in the United States is covered by trail cams. I mean, it's, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percent. You, exactly. you, know, you put them up there in the best area that you hope that might possibly get them. And I've had, I've had, not arguments, but I've debated people who have said, well, there's no, you know, they think that uh, trail cams are Bigfoot uh, repellent. And, and, but then you have to explain the pictures that actually do exist, uh, what look like, um, you can't explain as anything else. Um, you've got the, the uh, uh, Salt Lake one. You've got, you know, you got uh, the one on Cliff's DVD that that is on a trail, on a uh, running on a trail. You've got the apple one, the apple tree one. That that either are really good fakes or or are look to be like they're Bigfoot caught on on a on a trail cam. So um, it. It isn't impossible to get one, but you're talking about even there's uh, how many total Bigfoot researchers are there that are, and how many of those are utilizing trail cams, and how many of those are utilizing really good trail cams, and how many of those are, you know, you're putting them up and hoping. Uh, it's, it's such a low percentage of, of the forest that is actually covered by uh and then you, if you factor in any level of like detection by these creatures that obviously are pretty elusive of man, um, mm-hmm. it's it's no wonder that we don't have uh, good trail camping pictures. So, well, yeah. and and you take like in the Smoky Mountains, and that is actually where we're we're going to do our uh, big uh, expedition this year. Uh, in the Great Smoky Mountains down in Tennessee, and uh, I, I, there's so much of a headache um, when it comes to to filming and this and that in places like this. And I have talked, I've talked to like 15 different people already about permits and and this and that. And I'm like, I've touched on the trail cams, and they're like, oh well, are you going to be uh, nailing these into the tree? And I'm like, are you even are you even familiar with the trail cam? I mean. It's a Velcro strap that <laughs> that goes around around the tree. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt the tree. I promise. And they're like, well, if you hurt the tree and there's proof, you know, you could be fined and this and that. And I'm like, whoa, you know, is it even worth it? And to to even go through these arguments with these people, right? And uh, um, with with cameras and and stuff like this, I get asked too many times. And I say I used to say that. All the uh, I used to say, well, I get asked all the time, but I get asked way too much now. Why I didn't have a, why didn't I take a picture of this creature in 2000 with my cell phone? Well, there's a simple explanation for that. In 2000, we didn't have these phones. We exactly. didn't have these right. video yeah. video calling capability with so many megapixel phones. If you had a phone with a camera on it. It was a very, very low megapixel camera. It was right. on a flip phone. The trigger speed, the, the quick draw speed on it was, you know, four to six, seven seconds before you could ever get it out. And to be honest with you, I don't think I would have been able to take a picture. I was so freaked out when it happened. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's another thing. There's been it. people. Yeah. I mean, there's been folks like you in that position, and they've had cameras, and it's the last thing they're thinking about. I mean, you, they're not. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you put yourself in the position of someone who's standing there, and and in your position, Mike, and and you're seeing a legend or something that you didn't think existed, and all of a sudden it's in front, standing in front of you. The last thing you're really thinking about is, hey, I think I'll get my camera on and take a picture. And, hey, and I remember uh, having a, I remember having a, uh, my first digital camera had uh, less megapixels on it than my phone does now. Yeah. Well, and you, t- you, you, you touched on that, and I, I'm not speaking for him. He's one of my best friends, and you all know him very, very well. And I went to uh, to Montana with him. I've, I'm, I, I value this man as not a friend, but a a family member, a brother. That's how close we are. But that's none other than Ed Brown. And I'm not. I, and Ed, if you're listening, I'm not speaking for you by any means. But in January of 2015, Ed and I got to know each other through a series of sightings that happened in my area. And uh, he heard about my sighting, contacted me, wanted to do a sit-down with Ed Brown. And, you know, of course, i I, I done it. But before the sit-down with Ed Brown happened, I put him in a location, uh, which was right in, in Bigfoot Central in eastern Kentucky. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to guarantee you a sighting. I can't do that. And if I said I'll guarantee you a sighting, it makes me look like a hoaxer. But Ed went down, and I'm sure you all have heard the story. Ed went down to Harlan. He was in a cabin, and uh, he was up on this on this hill. He could not have picked the worst time of year to go to Harlan. I told him that over and over and over. At that time, on in the valleys, it was a snowstorm of biblical proportions. <laughs> I mean, it was dropping inches of snow an hour, and. Uh, then uh, he climbed up this hill, and he, he finally stopped and looked across the way over to the other mountain, and he saw a figure coming down the hill. And, you know, he's on his hands and knees trying to trying to uh, navigate and to get his footing and stuff, and he can't do it. And this thing's as graceful as, as, as it would be if there wasn't any snow on it. And I'm talking over on that particular mountain range, I mean, snowdrifts are probably two and a half, three foot, three and a half foot in some places. And this thing walking down it just like you and I would a set of steps. Ed had a camera on him. He had a camera on him the whole time. He watched this. He watched this creature. He never once thought, oh, I'll get my camera out here. You know, and he's a prime example. You know, and I, I've told him. But you're, I mean, you're. If I have a camera, if I'm out in the woods and I, I see a Bigfoot and I have, unless my camera is in my hand and I don't even know, I'd be so damn dumbfounded and not want to miss the experience. And we have that actually happen with one of our uh, our team members in the Tillamook Forest Research Group that had a sighting last September and she didn't think about taking a picture. She w- didn't want to look away from what she was she wanted to experience and see what she was seeing. She was afraid that if she took the time to get her camera out, 
that sheep missing, and they'd be gone. And and just like your encounter lasted a very short period of time, um, for them to, you know, you're, and you, especially if you don't have any context, it's like, what the hell am I looking about? All the things that people's brains go through when they're they're experience, having that kind of encounter. Um, you're not thinking, I mean, we're first trying to think, what the hell am I looking at? Yeah. And then, um, then I mean, you're not even, go ahead, Shane. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, and I, I want to I wanna give the guests plenty of air time, uh, but this brings up an interesting point because this this past weekend during the, the Lynn Project Expedition, and this was spur of the moment, an idea thrown out there, and we asked the, the attendees if they wanted to, to partake in this. Uh, Tom Baker had a Bigfoot costume on him, um, really crappy one, I'll be honest with you, uh, really bad. And what we did, everybody was on board to do this, what we did was, and they knew he was going to be in the field dressed as a Bigfoot. The The goal was for someone to take a really good photo of him. He didn't, you know, we were going along a trail. He was going to pop in and out, different distances, uh, different motions, standing still, running, blah, blah, blah. See who could get the clearest photo um, of of him dressed in his costume. And I'll tell you, too, that he, you know, there, there were rules. You can't shoot him, for one. Uh, two, uh, when he was not, That's know, a good not running around in his costume, he, he wore an orange vest. You know, you just never know. We're, we took precautions that... You know, it sounds like a stupid thing, but it was very well prepared. So, and everybody was safe and sound. But it's, the, but it's the, not the a, goal it's was not a to get a clear, yeah. yeah, a clear crystal picture of him, and to spot him, just spot him. And uh, I think one person got a, um, they saw him, but nobody got a crystal clear picture. Every picture they took when he ran by uh, was a blob squatch, and. A lot of times they just walked right by him. They didn't even see him. And his, his costume was a nasty uh, – it, it didn't match anything out there. I mean, he, he would stand out if you saw him. People walked right by him. When they saw him, he was gone. The, the pictures were blurry. There were blob squatches. And so it was a real testament to how hard it is to truly capture a picture of Sasquatch uh, and it was a fascinating thing for us as researchers and those attending the, the event. You know, it was truly amazing. I mean, Michael, you know how hard it is to to uh, to capture just uh, known animals in the field. Um, well, it's you just know. like uh, Tasmanian yeah. devil, Shane. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, good point. Uh, the the Tasmanian devil. I mean, most of the pictures you see of that is of a of one in captivity. There's been very few instances that you actually see a Tasmanian devil in the wild picture. It's because they're so friggin' elusive. A clouded leopard. I mean, there's uh, you can count the amount of people that's actually caught an, a, a clouded leopard on camera in the wild on your hand. And that, uh, I mean, imagine a yeah. creature of Bigfoot magnitude, you know, and, you, and people say, well, if this thing's 12 foot tall, man, uh, you know, why, why don't we see them? Well, I mean, they're so elusive. I got one report from a guy. He said this thing was almost 400 pounds, and when it was running, it wouldn't—it wouldn't hardly even making a sound as it was running. It was so uh, graceful and light on its feet that this thing, when it was running, it, it didn't make hardly a sound. He said I heard it because I was looking at it. If I looked away, I would have never heard it. 
So, I mean, you know, yeah. arguments like that are, are really and truly, you know, easy to win in our case because, you know, you can you can throw that out there. Right. And uh, a, a, a fawn, a, a baby deer, uh, there's been instances where, where uh, a doe will lay a baby deer right on uh, on gravel or asphalt. And, it, and if you look at it and look back, glance at it, it's like a pile of leaves laying there. So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, Michael, I was going to kind of shift gears here, but, you know, with my original, and I'd been, I'll be honest, I was researching prior to my, my uh, original encounter and sighting, but guess what I w- wasn't doing? I wasn't researching. I was fishing. And, I'll, like yourself, I caught fish, okay? <laughs> I did well. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, think there's some, I think there's some correlation between fishing and catching fish and Bigfoot encounters. Well, and bodies of water. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, in this, I think I think uh, right now we have a hundred percent correlation between fishing and catching <laughs> fish and bigfoot encounters. Yeah, but my point, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> Michael, my my point is, well, obviously we're both pretty good fishermen. But secondly, you know, we have this instance where we were not out researching, as our ninety nine percent of the encounters reported. Uh, where people are just doing average things, you know, and being average, doing camping, fishing, hiking, uh, driving, and they have these encounters. Um, you know, how much does that play into? It? I mean, uh, what what do you take away from that into your research? Uh, you know, I mean, are you the type of guy, Michael, that now as a serious investigator, researcher of the subject, and you're looking back on your encounter, as I do, what, do you are you do you out do wood knocks calls? What do you what do you take away from your original counter that you apply to uh, your research now? I uh, I will say you know we I'll touch uh, I'll say something we already said mm-hmm. we learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. and uh, you know up until I, and I'm not and I'll state this and, and if any of them are listening I, I respect you guys a lot but a lot of people look at us. And I know you all get the same. I know for a fact you all get the same same feedback as I do. People look at us and say, "Oh, so you all do like finding Bigfoot? You all go out? You all uh, hold town hall meetings and you go to these Bigfoot hotspots where people have saw them, and then you go out and do wood knocks and howls and this and that?" No, I don't. <laughs> and I, I tell you, I used to. I used to go out and I used to if I wouldn't hear anything. I would I would do a couple of howls and I would scream like a wild man and I would wood knock I would beat trees to death with baseball bats and uh, you know I learned from uh, from a couple of people and one of them you know uh, told me uh, he was on he was on a TV show uh, Stacy Brown a good friend of mine he told me that he just walked out in the woods and sat down. And uh, you'll you'll hear more, you'll you'll get more, you'll get better feedback and evidence if you just go out and sit down and listen. So anymore, I don't go out. I don't go out and scream and stuff like this. And I've got a very good theory about this. Huh. If you don't know how to speak Chinese, will you walk in? Will you walk into a place in China? and just start trying to speak Chinese. No, you're not going to do that. 
because you don't know what you're saying. You go out and you howl at these things. You hear one howling and screaming, and you scream back and howl at it just like it howled at you. What are you saying to this thing? Mm-hmm. You might be provoking it into – you might be putting yourself into danger. And, I oh, mean, you take – you take, Yeah, the screaming means something like, you know, somehow I'm, I'm ready for you to have come out of sex with me. So I try not to, <laughs> to scream. That is, uh, that is a very good. Uh, that would be very bad. I'll tell you, That's that true. would be very bad. But and, and you're right though. You could be screaming. You know, uh, this thing could be howling over on the on the ridge across from you. Now, it might, in its own language, it might be saying, "Hey," and you say you you yell back, "Hey," you know. It's like. What's up? And you're like, what's up? And it's like, how's your mom and him? Well, how's your mom and him? And why are you why are you repeating me? You know, and you're going you're going to freak it out and you're going to scare it off. And that's uh, I'm a turkey hunter, and I stated this on an interview the other day. If you if you cluck, if you cut, if you purr, if you yelp, if you gobble too much, an old gobbler will not come around you. An old turkey will not come around you. He knows better. So when you're out here bigfooting and you're howling and going on and you get a couple responses, you might have it fooled for a second. But that bigfoot's smarter than, than you. It knows its own language. And, and right, uh, it's going right, to be sitting yeah. back laughing at you. Well, I, and, and uh, I think, I mean, those those kind of methods have been effective in getting responses. But if you right. have any experience in, 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 uh, in doing that kind of stuff, you know that you can, um, after a while, you don't get any response anymore. And I, I think you're exactly right, Mike. I think that, that uh, initially they hear something and they think it's, it, it's something to respond to, and then you keep going, and I think that they think, um, wait a minute, that, that is not, uh, that's not another Bigfoot. Uh, any more than if uh, we as humans are out and we heard some, we yelled in the woods and a coyote goes off. Um, we we would we would recognize that as not being a, another human, and you know we might do it once or we might respond once or twice just because depending on how much we've had to drink, uh, we might go <laughs> back and forth with these coyotes for a while, but but. Uh, after a while, you know, we get bored with it, and they, they, uh, know we know that it's not another human responding. I'm I'm re- reasonably uh, comfortable in saying that I think that they recognize their own uh, conversation. I think other animals, you know, that are lesser intelligent than than a Bigfoot or Sasquatch, um, recognize their own kind after even if we are interacting with them vocally for a while. Um, you do that with the coyotes for a while, and they stop. After they, they realize that they're not interacting with another coyote. They're interacting with something that, that doesn't understand language. So, yeah, I think you're, you're uh, absolutely right. Well, I mean, and that question was asked to me this past weekend up at the Ohio conference a lot, you know, my, method, my yeah. mythology over this and guys will tell you you might go out in the woods you might sit out there for eight and a half hours and not hear a single cricket 
you might go out and 30 minutes into it, you start hearing wood knocks and stuff like this, and I get excited. And I know you all do, too. We've been doing this for a long time, but still. I tell people, too, you know, I'm a turkey hunter. I, I tell people that. I still get just as excited hearing that, hearing a gobble now as I did when I was a kid. And I still get excited hearing a wood knock or, or, a, or a faint whoop or a howl off in the distance. I mean, I get I get tore up quick over it. I'm, I get excited, though. And, but the thing is, you can't. You, I mean, you gotta you gotta look at it in in a uh, in a logical sense. You gotta be excited about it, of course, but you also gotta keep it keep it at bay a little bit and and become a researcher again. Damn. Not let that not let that child in you uh, come out well because if yeah. you do, you're you're gonna be sitting there with your voice recorder off, and you're just gonna be smiling <laughs> from ear to ear, you know, listening to this going back and forth, and it's happened. I'm embarrassed oh, yeah. to say that, but it's happened. And, um, but, you know, it, it's all in, it, it's all in keeping that, keeping everything, uh, uh, real, um, at, everything at bay, all your excitement and stuff. And, you know, somebody asked me a couple of days ago, they said, what would you do if you were sitting out in the woods and one just walked out, walked around a tree and, uh, and they used the, uh, Use the uh, part from Harry and the Hendersons as an example, where uh, where the guy he's walking through at the end of it, and, and Harry walks out, comes out from behind a tree, or he, he falls down out of the trees or something. He he lands right in front of this guy. What would you do if if this happened to you? If you were standing a foot away from it, it's look you're looking right into its eyes, and it's sitting there looking back at you. And I'm like, well, when I get done pooping on myself. <laughs> exactly right. I, I, I'm gonna I I'm I'm gonna try to reach out and 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 touch it, grab a handful of hair or something, or or I'm gonna depending on its demeanor, I'm, I'm probably gonna take off running, try to snap pictures while I'm running, video or whatever. Um, my girlfriend, you know, she asked me. She said, "Well, if you're filming one day, and one walks out and just grabs a hold of you and." And and rips you from limb to limb and everything like that. And I said, well, whenever whoever finds the video, you'll be a rich woman. I mean, that's how that's <laughs> right. how it's going to go. You know, it's funny because I have I asked that question to to uh, Cliff Berrickman from Finding Bigfoot uh, like a while ago, and he's like, that's that's his that's like his dream way to to go to leave this uh, this plane of existence. It's like to be torn up by a bigfoot. Like okay, <laughs> if it happens, it's, you know it's kind of like if you're out bigfooting. Um, if it happens, you hope to, that you could get leave some good evidence behind. So I got in touch our, with Cliff over the weekend again mm-hmm. at the Ohio right. conference, and and man, I just gotta I just gotta commend Cliff. And I, I like I said, you know, I got back in touch with him. It's been years, but he is such a phenomenal guy. He is he is great and he him and Bobcat Gofway and Bob Gimlin absolutely <laughs> loved my girlfriend because she's not a bigfooter. She's not she she's into it because I'm into it. And I look around at the Ohio conference, there's her and Cliff and Bobcat and Bob Gimlin standing there talking and I'm like, What in the world? And they were like, We love her because she don't know who we are <laughs> <laughs> So true. 
No, I mean, so, but so that, you were able to. So you were able to make it to the Ohio Conference this year. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Well, I, I went a few years ago, and uh, I done it really bad. Mark and I were talking about that. Uh, Mark Dwarf, good guy, you all know him. Uh, oh yeah, awesome guy. Awesome guy, man. We were talking about, it and I told him, I said, Mark, you know, I, I came a few years ago, but what I done, I drove up on Saturday, and I drove back on Saturday. I was only there for two hours. Holy cow! Time, yeah. yeah, it was four and a half hours away from where I live, and uh, this time. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we drove up on Friday night, went to the meet and greet, and uh, got a hold of everybody. Uh, this is the first time that I ever got to meet Bob Gimlin. I've had a, I've had a couple of chances that, that didn't pan out, but, oh, my God, you all, you all know him, man. I, it just blows my mind, and he's so, such a great guy. Oh, my God, he's like, I mean, I just felt, I felt like walking up to Mick Jagger. <laughs> or somebody like that when I was walking up to him. But he looks better than Mick Jagger. Well, Bob, you know, and I talked to this is the Mick Jagger a big thing. I like that. Yes, yeah, but, he but, is. but looks better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks a whole lot better. He looks a whole lot younger. Bob is. I mean, he is. He's the most gracious guy. I mean, I'm, I've had the good fortune to you know meet Bob on numerous occasions. Though he, he comes to Beachfoot. He has come to uh, Guy Edwards' event in Portland, Hopsquatch. And, I mean, he is just, what a down-to-earth guy. I mean, if you... Well, I was standing, can, I was standing there talking to, uh, to yeah. John Kirk III, and I've known John mm-hmm. for a few years, and this is the first time I got to meet John. We've talked on Facebook a lot and, and, and stuff, but you know, I was excited about meeting John. And uh, I was telling him, and I was like, John, I, I don't know how to. There, he goes, well, there's Bob. And I said, I said, I don't know how to go up to him. He goes, just walk up to him. Quit being a chicken. Walk up to him, you know. He <laughs> don't bite. And uh, I just walked up to him, and I was like, Bob, I'm you know, I'm Michael Cook from the Kentucky Sasquatch team. I'm uh, I'm honored. I'm I can't express how honored I am to meet you. And he reached out his hand and he shook my hand. He said, Well, the honor's all mine. And mm-hmm. uh, Sounds like Bob. And I said, I said, wow, you know, and it was instantly like talking to your grandpa. I mean, yeah, that is a feeling that I got. Mm-hmm. So the next he's morning. Never met a stranger. No, and, man, he's got a, he's, he's sharp as a tack, too, at that age, man. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm like that. I, I, I doubt that I'll live that long, but uh, he, uh, well, the we next morning we do. were. Yeah, yeah, we ho- I hope, but <laughs> we uh, we were standing outside, and uh, I was talking to Dave Groves and a couple other guys and uh, Jody Cook and, and a couple other people, but Bob walked out. I guess he walked out to get a breath of fresh air, looked me dead in the eyes, and was like, well, hey, Mike, how you doing today, buddy? And I was like, oh, God, he knows my name. <laughs> and... Uh, and another phenomenal cat, man, was Tom Yamarone. He's a great dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom is Bob awesome. Cat Gulfweight. He, wow. I, I actually met Bob Friday night. I, I was telling my girlfriend, I said, I don't know I don't know how to approach this guy. And she's like, you want me to go up to him? I don't know who he is. And I was like, it, it's phenomenal to me that you don't know who he is, but whatever. And I walked up to him, and I was like, hey, I'm Michael Cook uh, from the Kentucky Ghost. 
And he cut me off at Kentucky. He goes, Sasquatch team. And my heart dropped out of my chest. And I was like, how do you know that? He goes, ah, I, I follow stuff like this all the time. And I was like, so you know who the <laughs> Kentucky Sasquatch team is? He goes, oh, yeah, I've watched your videos and stuff. And uh, really great guy. And his movie, Willow Creek, a phenomenal film. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know, there were so many people, though, that, that were there. Uh, Lyle Blackburn. Uh, Lyle's a great, great cat, too, man. He's uh, We stood and talked forever Friday night. And uh, um, his, uh, then uh, Sibylla Irwin, uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, sighting sketcher, what a what a classy lady! Wow, that is, she is a fun person, just a, a good good energy coming from her. And uh, no, it's then, it's uh, a great event. Mark does an incredible job of. of um, you think about um, we have some events out here out west. We've got the Sasquatch Summit, which comes up in the, in November, and uh, um, we've got the, actually we've got. Uh, Ed Brown is putting together, along with some friends of his, the first ever International Bigfoot Conference in September, mm-hmm. which uh, Shane and I are scheduled to speak at. And, uh, I was I actually a part of that, life. but I was a part of that for uh, for a mm-hmm. little while. But uh, due to some uh, personal, uh, it was Bigfoot related and everything. Uh, due to due to that, uh, I wouldn't have been able to make it. So, uh, you know, him and Russ, though, Russell Acord was out the Ohio conference. Uh, he's written the books, uh, the book series, uh, footprints of a legend. And I met Russ out in Montana and what a, what a cool cat, man. And his books are phenomenal. Uh, they're great fictional stories, but they have a lot in them that, that are, you know, uh, research related, uh, facts. That that people like us have have come up with over the years, and uh, Russ is a great guy, a crazy great guy, and uh, uh, I, I'm I'm quite. Somebody asked me, uh, somebody asked me, uh, who's going to be at the international conference? And I said yes, and they said, what do you mean? I said that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, anybody who the who who's the who who of Bigfoot is going to be there, and I told Ed that he laughed, and I, I said, somebody asked me who's going to be there, and I said, yeah, yes, <laughs> that's all I can say. I mean, everybody's going to be there. Uh, that's going to be around the time that that we get really busy here, and uh, I'll actually be. Uh, I talked to Todd Neese a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I won't be at this Beachfoot, but I will be at the tenth anniversary. Oh, Beachfoot. I will be there next year. Well, Michael, um, really look forward yes, to meeting you at the Beachfoot. That sounds fantastic. I know I'm, we're going to be uh, Gunner and I will both be at the upcoming Beachfoot. We'll, we'll no doubt probably be at the following Beachfoot. Look forward to meeting you there. Well, you'll probably you'll probably get to meet me beforehand. Uh, I will be in your your all's area in just a couple of months, actually. And I was going to send you all some some invites for lunch or something like that, but. Uh, well, hook, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I, I, I cannot wait to, to be out there. I was going to say, the thing is that I appreciate is, you, you know, you had an opportunity to come to this, this, this conference, 
uh, but yet research took precedence, and that's and that's what it's about. That's what we're here for is, is the research. These conferences are fantastic. We get to share some information, get to collaborate with other people, and talk to people. But that's what are we here for? Research, and that that has to take precedence. If I had something going on, I would have to apologize to Ed Brown and go, "Hey, I you know, uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't do it." That's why we. Uh, that's why we call yeah. you hardcore. Shame, well, hardcore I'm, person. I'm I'm hardcore, and so are many many others. I mean, period, uh, including Michael and and many others out there. And and research has to take precedence. Uh, you know, well, to, you know the, to these conferences. The October expedition has taken place almost exactly a month to the day after this, and for that month, I will be so busy because I've mm-hmm. got to get permits, I've got to get the filming permits, the the hiking permits. We want to take a big crazy group with us, but the park kind of shut that down. They were like, "Yeah, you can take about twelve people with you," so we had to shorten it to eight because of the. Uh, the camps will only hold the uh, the trail camps will only hold like twelve to fourteen people, and they said we couldn't take up, you know, the whole capacity of the camps, and uh, we couldn't stay no longer than three days at, at one particular camp. But we've also got permission to go off the grid into another another section of it, but of the park. But um, you know, I've got all that going on plus. Uh, well, I can't really say that. I was going to yeah. say something, but I'm, I'm going. I'm going into. I'm going down to Florida next month to talk to some people about something pretty big coming up, and uh, and everything. But you know, like well, Mike, said, if you, you want know, to announce it, you want to share that first on the Monster X Radio. Uh, there's only a couple people listen, so it won't get out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you now. There's a, there's a good possibility that. I'll say this, and you, you all will know what I'm talking about. You all see a lot of me anyway. You both, I noticed you both like the Kentucky Sasquatch team on Facebook and your friends of mine on Facebook, but you all see a lot of me anyway from videos and stuff like that. You might be seeing more of me within the next six months, and I'll leave it to that. Okay. And uh, you're, Excellent. You're going to be on TV. Wait a minute now. Oh, my gosh. I, there's a good possibility that you might be more of me. You never know. I might move in with one of you guys. So oh, right. well, wait a minute. You're oh, shit. To. I'm not. I... It might be in the garage, but you're welcome to. Yeah, all yeah. right. Uh, that's uh, that's all I can say about that. But, you know, uh, there's so much going on. I've worked so hard to bring the Kentucky Sasquatch team into – this this community this world that we that we are a part of and and it's not for personal gain or anything like that it's for research and getting the names out there and getting the reports coming in and letting people know don't be afraid to tell somebody about what you saw because there's people like us out here that will understand that will sit and listen to you that will listen to you and not hear you talk but listen to you talk and, right. and we will believe you, and within a reasonable uh, respect, we will believe you. Uh, if you start harping that you saw a forty-foot creature, a forty-foot Bigfoot walking around, you know, tearing down buildings and stuff, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit spe- skeptical about it. Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, and you know, with funding and stuff like this, it's it's hard, guys. And I created a. 
I created I, I'm I'm so so nervous about saying this, but I created a GoFundMe page for the Kentucky Sasquatch team, and I put on there you know field res or field equipment, research equipment, and expedition funding, and I got blasted so hard over it. I put it on a couple of other groups, and they were like, "Get a job, you you uh, lazy bum," you know. Get a job, go buy a thermal camera, and do like the rest of us do. And I'm like, yeah, the big, the you know, the the big time guys, they got funding. Small town guys well, it, like me, we we don't. It, it's tough. I, I think people don't understand what what um, it takes to. I I I. Now I'm going to slip into my Shane Corson fan fanboy, but I I really think that if we had an opportunity to put Shane Corson in the woods for for three to six months, that Shane Corson would come back with some pretty definitive evidence of of what we're looking for. Exactly. Well, I mean, really don't, let me just say really there, I think there's, uh, that, that's really cool. But I think there's multiple individuals that are very capable and, and uh, yeah, yeah, want yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. No, I, I think there's no, I, multiple I know. individuals. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I know there's um, there's lots of people out there that... that uh, and, and we saw a little bit of that with, with the Crash Falcon project, that there was a couple of individuals that showed up and went out into the area where they had... Um, they, they were going to go into, um, and they had they had some encounters. Um, I think if we we the problem is, and just like Mike is talking about, every every one of us that are bigfooters are doing this for the most part on our own dime, and um, it it's amazing in the bigfoot community is what people don't want bigfooters to try to raise any funds for research. They think. You you do it on your own dime like I am, and I think if we had a a a well funded group, um, we don't you know back in the day, um, Tom Slick funded some some Bigfoot expeditions, and they got some results. I think right now, unfortunately, we've got a lot of people that that are are uh, citizen scientists out looking for Bigfoot, so. But they, every one of them has day jobs that they have to, you know, they have to pay their bills and whatever. <laughs> and if, if you go, if it. you have a job like me, you know, mm-hmm. I can look at my company, I can look at my boss, and I can say, hey man, I need uh, next week, I need Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off. And he's like, oh, for bigfooting, and I'm like, yeah. And you know, he'll be like, all right, you know, uh, cool, have fun, hope you find, hope you. Hope you go catch one, and I'm like, I hope I don't catch one. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a big enough truck to put it in, but uh, <laughs> well, let us know, Mike, because we'll the, drive over and help you out. So we'll find yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to cut the cut the top of it out and let him ride shotgun with me. But the <laughs> uh, but that's the thing, though. I mean, you said it. I mean, we have we have jobs, we have day jobs, and uh, my weekends are my life is crazy. I mean. I never thought if you would have told me ten years ago that I'd be I'd be running the Kentucky Sasquatch team and I'm not I, I'm a little bit uh arrogant about it. I mean, one of the most well known this this side of the United States. But, you know, as far as name goes, it's not the biggest team, but 
It's 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 a household name. It's getting there. If you would have told me that, I told you you were crazy. That I'd be I'd be solo in it and all this stuff. And I, the Ohio conference, I wasn't a guest. I wouldn't I wasn't a speaker or anything like that. But I mean, I was. There was people walking up to me all weekend long. Hey man, you're you're the Kentucky Sasquatch team. And I'm like, yeah, you you know me. And they're like, oh yeah yeah yeah. And uh, one guy actually said, oh, I can't wait until the Monster X Radio uh, interview. And I'm like, yeah, that's happening next Sunday, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and and it's it's just amazing. Yeah. But, Michael, in your opinion, you know, I, I, we're getting short on time. I, I think we're going to have to do another interview with you because i got so many questions for you, and they're collaborated questions. But what, in your opinion, is going to take to uh, – get further along. I'm not necessarily proving the existence of Sasquatch. What's going to take to further the research uh, and and get this thing um, more accepted, not just for the general public, but with science, in your opinion? I hate to... uh, I don't want to see this happen, Shane and Gunner, but honestly don't. And if if I was looking down the barrel of of a rifle at one of these creatures... I can honestly say that I don't I don't believe in the, my heart of hearts that I would be able to pull the trigger. But that's me. That's my own personal uh my feelings about it. But in order for this thing to be proven, of course we're going to have to have a body and not 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 some kind of uh mm-hmm. uh uh dead rare that's made to look like one we're talking about an actual body of this creature or a live specimen or something like that as far as research goes and, and moving along mm-hmm. to to better research we're going to have to the falcon project had the right idea of course but they my opinion only here i'm not i mean blast me if you will not that big, not that expensive, but keep it in in a practical range. But the Falcon yeah. Project had had the, had the right idea. Just keep just tone it down a little bit. Yeah. And uh, thermals. I mean, Clear is working diligently every day for new thermals coming out, and uh, and all these other companies are working so hard. Um, trail cams. Everything, I mean, it's all going to be, we all know that video proof of it, uh, such as Patterson-Gimlin, isn't enough. Mm-hmm. That They don't, they, they ain't going to accept that. So it's it's going to have to be a body eventually. Uh, and I, I'm not going to be the one, unless I'm attacked, my life is threatened, I won't be the one pull the trigger. Right, right. Well, I think... Um, science will, and a lot of people are like, well, true science, who cares? I personally like to get, and, and, and I'm sure you do, Michael, as well. We have actual scientists and, and uh, people involved that are not public. Some are public, some are not public, that are very interested in the subject, whether they've had their own experiences or just betting the evidence being provided, whether it's audio, visual, encounters, tracks, uh, hair samples. There's there's scientists involved in this that are just not... Um, you know, like many solid researchers that don't publish this stuff out there, they're they're vetting it, and it's a long, tedious process. 
But oh, uh, I've said this time and time again. We're getting somewhere. We are getting places, and it's a slow, tedious process until, you know, uh, it will take a body um, uh, or, or uh, you know, something of that nature to live, prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Live or dead. But, yeah, yeah. Live or dead. But uh, the gathering of data, and that's what we're here doing, is the gathering data and, well, and whatnot, or been, the day of discovery. This thing would have been already proven in existence in a, in a court of law. With uh, with the I, amount of witnesses I, and, and detailed, the preponderance of evidence, correct? Well, no, I mean uh, there's the there, no, I mean there's there's uh, eyewitness testimony. There's physical evidence through prints and audio and and DNA evidence. I mean there's. You're right. I think if if it was any court of law, uh, it it gets proven. But that's not what we're, we're in the court of court of science, which which exactly. is good. It, it, it's good in the way that we are required to uh, uh, keeps our standards high. The, right, right, and and vet what evidence that we collect um, through because it's really. When we got at one end, we got people that will call anything Bigfoot. I call it Bigfootitis. And then we got uh, people at the other end that you know that vet things. Um, I and I I like I, and I will credit Shelley Covington Montana for the phrase Bigfoot last because you run it through every filter and and the last thing that you attribute to is is uh, Bigfoot, which is is also the and one of the reasons why I joined the Olympic Project because they get uh, evidence that way. That the last thing that you call call, call evidence uh, or attribute it to is Bigfoot. So, so Mike, what kind of um, experiences you? I mean, you now um, have a research group. What kind of evidence do you is the best evidence that you've had to date since you've uh, been a researcher? And the best evidence I've collected. Uh, I'm a footprinter, man. I'm I'm big in the footprints. I really am. Um, over the last several years, we have uh, investigated 42 footprints in the state of Kentucky and in Virginia, uh, northern Tennessee. Uh, northeastern Tennessee, but I have personally casted uh, 11 footprints in the state of Kentucky. Uh, those are my best, uh, and they all range. The smallest one is about the size of your hand, six inches long, too wide to be a human hand, too too uh, too much to be uh, like one of those. Uh, 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 shoes, uh, the five finger shoes. It's too much to be that, uh, and it, uh, you just have to see it. Uh, there's pictures up on the on the Facebook, but uh, the footprints. Uh, we've had hair samples over the years that's turned out to be known animals. Uh, one come back unknown, but um, it it's actually uh, it's actually not with me anymore. It's it's with uh, with the lab that had it. Um, but and I that's that was my doing. That was that was me for 
a comparison in later samples that I would send them if it would come back the same as that. But um, the uh, the footprints uh, we've uh, there's there's footprints that that prove or uh, that are good evidence that we've collected uh, and witness testimonies. Uh, they uh, there's videos uh, if you watch uh, any of the videos uh, the Lorraine deal video is probably one of the best interviews I've ever done because you can actually tell this this lady really nice lady you can tell she's still shaken up and it happened over you know 50 years ago to her and um, the uh, these things man I mean they exist and uh but like I said, our evidence, yeah. our evidence we collect are the footprints. You know, they, I mean, both you and, and my co-host Shane have had what I call confirmation encounters. You mm-hmm. saw them, you know it wasn't a pair, you know what it was. I mean, you had enough time to, to uh, process that, that, that what you saw was a Bigfoot. Um, I, I, unfortunately have not joined that group. I hope to at some point walk through the doorway like from um and I and I'm still skeptical. I'm skeptical of the evidence. Um I don't discount uh all the uh enormous amount of eyewitnessing in encounters that have been including yours and Shane's, which uh Really, I'm at about 99% that, that Bigfoot exists, and that leaves me 1% that all the rest, all encounters that were have been reported are either misidentified or or fabricated. You jerk. <laughs> Shane could, or you know, Shane could be batshit crazy. Still, I'm not. I'm, I'm on the fence. Yeah, maybe too much to ask watch coffee. <laughs> I right. know I mean, I'm batshit crazy. So, but, but, I mean, we all and, are. And honestly, <laughs> and honestly, Mike, being batshit crazy doesn't mean that you didn't see a Bigfoot. I mean, you could see a Bigfoot <laughs> right. and you batshit crazy. But, but I mean, as a, as funny as a person that has not had that confirmation experience, um, I, I still read. You know, you you have to see it to believe it. Um, and I think that any reasonable person is probably in the 99-plus per percent range. Um, your experience turned you from a um, a person that didn't really even have a concept of Bigfoot to a, a believer in an instant. Uh, and it, 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 it just, uh, your, your encounter is one of those that, that uh, feed my curiosity to, to keep investigating um, this this mysterious creature. So um, we're cl- really closing in on on the end of the clock here. So I want to really thank Mike Cook for joining us today, um, and we want to have you back in the future to see what uh, uh, e- your experiences have been since between now and then. And uh, I want to thank my co-host Shane Cor- Corson, and I will say Hardcore Corson for uh, being here today and all the, the listeners for joining us. Um, and between now and you, we've got 10 seconds left in the show. So 
go to www. Thank you all. Watchcoffee.com for <laughs> buy some coffee. But uh, and join us next week for another episode of Monster X Radio. Thanks everybody, and thanks Mike and Shane for being here today. Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs>